Good day and welcome back. This is the Northern Miner Podcast. Podcast. It is indeed the week of, what is it going to be? June 10th, I guess. Or wait. No, wait. June. Today's the 8th, 9th. 8th, 9th, 10th. The week of June 13th. Yeah. Ha! Probably wrong, but it doesn't matter. (laughs) So welcome back. Thank you for joining us. I am Matthew Keeble with my co-host. Stokes. Leslie Stokes. Leslie Stokes. Like James Bond. Like Madonna. Yeah, like Madonna. Or like you can go full Prince and get the symbol going. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so we are back. Uh, some, Some pretty exciting things going on. We'll start as we usually do with some macro because gold's absolutely screaming. Um... And that uh, has had uh, some obvious impacts on equity. So if uh, you are invested in any gold stocks that you bought over the last, let's say, six weeks, congratulations, you're probably in the money. Um, so yeah, so let's take a look at uh, where exactly we are. Um, gold, uh, when I walked into studio here, was at $1,271.65. So how long ago was it we were at tw- closing in around 1200 It wasn't that long ago. Three weeks, a month maybe? No. Um, so bounce back, uh, once again, wholly almost attributable in my opinion to the read, the market's read on the U S economy, which it's has so entertaining. It's quite entertaining. It's, it's almost gotten to the point where I, I wonder if there's like some sort of like war going on between the federal open market committee and like the big banks or something. Where, I almost like, want every... to get that Janet girl as a friend on Facebook <laughs> so I can like get a feel for if she's going to drop another like suggestion that they're not going to raise interest rates so I can jump in the market. And- well, I like, if it happens again and if it goes back towards 12, I'll be buying. I'll tell you, I'll, I'll, a little yeah. hint there. I'll, yeah. I'll be <laughs> I, I was buying and I will be buying again if it goes down. Um, so one of the things I've heard from a few uh, shabby industry veterans, some uh, long tooths, as I call them. The long tooths. The old wolves. Um, is thing. that uh, usually gold does historically have a bit of a doldrum in July and August, right? Okay. Like the markets always do. So a few a few people I know are, are playing a little bit, but also like, well, the big opportunity might come in July, August, because that's also the Fed still talking like they're going to do some sort of interest rate hike at some point. So worth a watch. Oh, excuse me. Worth watching. <laughs> the um, cookie. The cookie, yeah. The pre-podcast cookie. You got to watch mm. over that from the delicious bakery. Delicious. Oh, the best cookie. Um, so, yeah. So, gold screaming. Uh, equities are up. Everything's doing fairly well. Um, we'll keep our eye on that. Uh, as always, do keep your attention on the Federal Open Market Committee and what they're saying because they change every day based on U.S. job numbers and things like that. So, right now, the U.S. economy looks eh. And the U.S. dollar is actually up today, but their rate hikes are put off for another couple of months. So that's why gold's back up, powering towards 1300 again. I can't believe it can move in like a bracket of like nearly $100 an right? ounce, which is ridiculous. Anyway, yeah. anyway, moving on to copper. Poor old copper. Ah, <laughs> uh, poor old copper. Um, <laughs> so copper's, <laughs> copper's getting a bit pummeled. Uh, worldwide economic uh, industrial figures are not great, uh, which is, again, one of the reasons gold's probably up. Um, so copper's down around 2 bucks again. We got it at about 204 a pound when I walked in. So, again, uh, <laughs> there's a few things we'll say about base metals. I mean, there's a lot of people that are still say, waiting for that consolidation, some mine closures, things like that. So... It's all up in the air. I mean, uh, thus far, the major copper um, copper air, uh, companies, excluding Freeport, which has sold a bunch of stuff, mm. um, but most of them are, are just attempting to power through. Like, let's just keep going. Oh, God. <laughs> Increase the throughput. Increase the throughput. 
and then we'll see what happens. Uh, more capex. Uh, so it's at two dollars and four uh, two dollars four cents a pound. Um, and then, uh, as we all know, we've been following gas. If you've been to a gas station lately, you'll probably know this. Uh, West Texas uh, crude oil is up at fifty dollars and fifty five cents a barrel. So cool. It is high, and that's uh, you know doing well for uh, you know our friends in the oil sands and things like that. So uh, so good. So. Um, some of the just the notes on the market as well. Uh, global gold equities uh, were mostly down this morning after hitting 2016 highs yesterday. So that's how good a lot of the gold stuff's doing. And this is on a weighted index basis. So, um, and then just a little bit tie into our poor base metals, and I include iron ore, <laughs> copper, and, except for zinc. Zinc's like kicking butt. It's at like a yeah. multi-year high. It's What's like, nickel? It was at 94 cents. Nickel's I hadn't even. Okay, I have. You know what? I haven't looked at nickel. Yeah. Um, but zinc's kicking butt. So China got some downbeat data on price inflation on Thursday. Uh, consumer inflation was up 2% in May year on year compared with 2.3% in April. So month on month it was down. Uh, so the falling inflation rate, and this is a report from Scotiabank, um, has many China watchers reckoning China's central bank may introduce new economic stimulus measures. And as we just mentioned, uh, base metal prices had been up at eh, multi-week highs. I think copper was like two, a multi-week high for copper is like $2.10. <laughs> We're like, oh, yeah, oh, poor copper. Dr. Copper is getting just crap kicked out of him. Um, so... Uh, but zinc, as we said, is up. So uh, all the base metals tended to pair their gains a little bit, uh, settled around mixed levels on Thursday. Um, so uh, and just because there's like a lot of the banks are saying the, the base metal market was a bit overextended. People got a little too excited. That happens. Don't worry. Um, so, uh, yeah, so there we go. Um, that's sort of our, uh, our macro weekly roundup here as we sit here on a uh, mixed weather Thursday. I was going to say sunny, but it's seems to every hour it's going to change um so we have a treat this week i believe um and it, it is what is it is it story time with leslie is one of the oh, things they're doing yeah um yeah i'm so excited yeah so we're doing <laughs> leslie has bush stories hmm. so we're gonna do some stories from the field i may have I'm just trying to think if I have anything that's appropriate um, for this this segment that we yeah, have and, here. Well, the reason why is because Salma was doing a site oh, visit at Detour yeah. Gold's property. And she says that everyone out D Detour is listening to us. So hi, everybody there. Hello. Hello. Detour, and I figured I was like, gosh, well, the field season's on. We've got lots of geos kicking around yeah. the core shack, smashing yeah. out those meters. And I thought to myself, now, it would be a good, appropriate time to, to share a story or two. Stories from the field. Stories from the field. Being treed by grizzlies, chased by like borderline <laughs> mentally handicapped moose or meeses into a lake. It has happened. I have heard it of has them. happened. Yeah, it has happened. So a little later in the show, we'll get into story time with Leslie. Story I, time I might chip in a few uh, a few observations or a few uh, tales of wisdom from the trail that I have accumulated over. Amazing! My, I can't wait. Yeah. I don't. I don't know what you're going to say about over can't my wait. Uh, my travels. Actually, some of the funnier stuff's actually during my time at the minor where it's been on like site visits and stuff where oh, yeah. some funny stuff has happened. Like I've had uh, funny now at the time it was never, it never re is relatively <laughs> frightening. But anyway, so we'll get into that a little bit later. I do want to cover, uh, there's a big, uh, honking rumor headline out there today. What is it? And the globe and mail broke this with the exclusive. Whoever this source is, please phone me next time. But anyway, so the source that the Globe and Mail has um, is uh, indicating that Thompson Creek is in late stage negotiations to sell the Mount Milligan copper gold mine in oh. BC. 
Um, so this is a big honk in mine. Uh, attractive A, mm, okay, copper grades, but it's uh, similar to New Afton or something we look at like Red Chris, where it has really good gold credit. So it can kind of, to a degree, withstand lower copper prices as long as gold's up around 1300 bucks, right? Uh, so it's actually predominantly gold companies that we're looking at this. Um, the big bidders they have for it are Centera, who we've, <laughs> we've talked about poor Centera, trying to diversify their production portfolio away from the Kyrgyz Republic, where they are pretty much like, I don't want to say public enemy number one at this point, but they're having some just dis- this is a problems. Like it's gotten to the point now where there's criminal charges against some of their country managers. They're not allowed to leave the country. Some expats are stuck there. Doesn't stop. But I, they definitely got some great anecdotes that oh, aren't going so know. good right now. Yeah, but maybe later. Oh man, <laughs> I actually have a, a good buddy of mine from Australia, and he tells some 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 stories about working in, in that part of the world, more more so Mongolia. But yeah. they have this like, what is it? Fermented milk it's goat milk maybe but it's alcohol right because it's fermented and he's like <laughs> he tells a pretty funny story about like doing uh. some exploration work in in uh in the gobi or some somewhere around there and he's like yeah they were getting me to try this like fermented goat milk and it was like uh. apparently it, it, he's had better apparently so but anyway the story gets a little bit side <laughs> goes so, somewhere else that we can't <laughs> quite go here at, the, at this point uh anyway so Sentara is a bidder for uh mal milligan uh, Kinross was the other one uh, that was mentioned. The funniest was this gets this report from the Globe and Mail gets really specific, and it's like mid-tier copper producer Hud Bay was shot down after its first bid came in too low. <laughs> so Hud Bay's out. You guys are too cheap. We can't deal with you. Um, but uh, apparently Sentara and Kinross are still in, which makes sense. They both have a lot of cash, and I would qualify them as m- middling kind of mine portfolios. They don't have any like all-star kind of good jurisdiction stuff because. Um, Sentara is obviously in the Kyrgyz Republic, and then I'd say uh, Kim Ross's best minds in Russia, right? So they're both trying to get something that's a little bit more sociopolitically friendly, I would think, anyway. And so Barrick uh, was invited to participate in the bidding, but said it wasn't interested. It's like, yeah. It's like, nah, we're too cool. Like, and we're Barrick, what the heck? Get the hell out of here. Yeah. <laughs> we don't want your mine. We got enough mines. We're selling mines. We're actually. fine. You want to buy, buy my mine? <laughs> yeah. We're selling mines. Barrick business- goes out yeah. and they find their own. Yeah, business is- Barrick's in the so, business yeah. of selling mines, not buying them. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Sentara and Ken Ross, as we know, we've kind of talked about this a little bit, touched on it loosely. Um, they both want mines, are looking for uh, assets in North America. The other company that was sort of snuck in there and i was like that's a bit random is Stillwater mining which is u.s based and the they predominantly work in platinum group metals so interesting um but i mean it's a diversified you know so they could be interested as well uh just the t- so but the top two guys are are kinross and Sentara. so we'll just go kinross has cash of 750 million and 2.3 billion in total liquidity so it could probably afford it um and then Sentara has cash of 502 million and 576 million of total liquidity. So Thompson Creek engaged um, is engaged to investigate debt restructuring because they're in some serious <laughs> bankruptcy risk right now. Mm. Uh, so they also engaged a major Canadian bank, unnamed, uh, to look into asset sale possibilities, which are in mature stages, as we noted. So definitely something to watch. Um, the mine, as uh, I'm actually kind of doing this a little bit off memory now because I haven't covered Milligan in a couple quarters, but it, it had <laughs> had been having a little bit of ramp up problems. I think it had to do with crushing and metallurgy. I'd have to double check and look back on that, but I think in the last couple quarters it had been kind of performing more towards nameplate and like doing looking pretty nice. So, so as we said, good gold credits, which makes it attractive, especially at this, these gold prices. So. Um, 
So yeah, and then uh, the other thing that uh, we had been talking about this, um, there was just like this sneaky press release last night, and I always kind of watch what's going on in the Yukon because I know like a lot of people up there and go up there. We're heading up there again July 10th, I think I'm going mm-hmm. up there. Um, so the federal government snuck this little like announcement out last night at like 11.30 Eastern Time, 8.30 Pacific. And it was just that they were like, um, I have to look into this because I don't actually know how much impact this might have on permitting. But what they did was back in last year, I think around June, the federal government um, introduced a bill as six, which was just like, it had been in, in sort of brewing and legislation for like, as these things are opt to do for like three years. So since 2013. But what it, what it wanted to do was like streamline the environmental processes in the north. So uh, Nunavut, Northwest Territories, Yukon. And what they'd done is they'd uh, put time limits on environmental assessments by the Yukon Enviro- uh, Environmental Socioeconomic Assessment Board. So YESAB, which we've dealt with. Um, consistent with other jurisdictions in the north, it would have enabled the government of Canada to, to, to develop regulations to recover. Uh, this is just recovering costs from assessments, so giving companies a little bit of money back when they have to invest it into permitting. Um, and then uh, a few other things. So uh, apparently there was um, some some concerns from some First Nation communities up there on these changes to the Yukon Environmental um um, act and what the federal government and I never heard anything about this like I didn't I there was <laughs> nobody I, nobody mentioned it to me or discussed it they just threw it out so they're <laughs> like yeah no we don't like this thing this thing's gone so there is now the thing to me like I, I have calls out on this so I'll probably have more in-depth commentary on this coming up and uh, our editor chief John Cummings may be looking at doing an editorial on this will depend on what we get um, but uh, interesting to me and this would be something you'd know too is is when you have no time limit on an environmental assessment like in the government yeah. can you imagine what happens uh, that might be moderately I can't, that I, would that would moderately concern me like i'd be like uh there's a long, never is a long time that's remember that water permit say. it's <laughs> like we have a 5000 waiting well, day well and then i like i hate to hate to bring this up but one of the reasons mint capstone ended up kind of torpedoing Minto, right, was because the assessment on their water permits just took freaking ages, right? So one well, of the look things... At, look at what uh, Mount Pauly, what happened there with Imperial yeah. Metals. Oh. They were waiting for like 10 years for their water permit. <laughs> uh, let's and then just the tailing say, spilled. Let's just say I've heard, I can't of, even, you've I've heard, heard a few <laughs> other this. things that people don't know about Pauly yet. Yeah, I know. So, I mean, we can't, we can't afford any like delays well, on the government's end to get these permits yeah because we've seen the repercussions of that yeah well the projects just won't go right yeah and 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 the issue i mean is that when you have like it just doesn't compute with me that there'd be like i mean we have we have time limits on environmental reviews in bc like you have to get it within 180 days at certain so you know certain stages like like how long does it take to get a notice of work now 50 oh do, i think uh, it's about 60 days 60 days so there's time limits on this stuff. so so now there's no time no, no time limit. No time. There's no time limit. And the other thing they did was that uh, I think that the Fed, the Fed has a little bit more role in the environmental review process. Yeah. So, so the the federal government's going to be. Are you saying the federal government might be deciding whether or not a company up in the Yukon can get their environmental go ahead? Yeah. Uh, Which well, is kind no. Of, it's it's still or part part. The okay. the the YESAA, which is the Environmental uh, Act, yeah. is is it's still. Um, it's still like it's still the kind of binding act, right? So, the, so the the Yukon government will be acting as as the primary, but 
there's there is powers for the Fed to come in because remember this is a lot of this is in response and you'll see a lot of this uh, federally I think coming up. Luckily, uh, luckily. Well, we haven't been haven't had to deal too much with the Trudeau government, the mining community yet. Uh, the oil and gas community has, but um, one of the things that they're trying to do is pretty much nix everything that the Harper Conservatives did. Yeah. So, <laughs> one of the things is we all remember like we made a big deal about this like uh, one project, one review, which is like once you like if you permit it f- uh, provincially or federally when it, well, you know one or the other you only need to review a project once right um so now they want to get rid of it now yeah. there's two reviews two you gotta go to the fed so if everything's back to where pretty much where we were yeah prior to the conservatives making those those one project one review changes right so everything you know, i mean it's not like the end of the world like we were there before um it's just that you know now we're kind of back there again so i mean it's We'll see. We'll see. I mean, it might be nothing. Like, it just came across. It was it's just true. weird to me. It could that, be great. Yeah, I don't know. They, but they could be installing, just, like, new, uh, passing new laws. Well, the, right the thing I would say is, is basically they're, like, repealing an act back to what it was a year and a half ago, right? So, I mean, they're just undoing really recent changes. So, it's not like it's going to be, like, some sort of earth-shattering thing. I mean, yeah. it's, it was that way before. It's just interesting to me that... Um, that this, that the, it was like no announcement. I haven't seen anyone cover it, yeah. <laughs> and it was just like, oh, we're doing this to this this. Uh, the, we're proposing this legislative change to the, to the main Yukon uh, uh, Environmental Act. So we'll see. I do have some calls out to uh, people in the government and stuff just to see what's going on there and what sort of uh, ramifications that may have. The other thing that I'll mention is that uh, one of the, one of the conditions in the in the uh, bill S S six was that uh, if you have a like a, a permit for your project, um, you don't have to undergo another assessment when the project uh, to like renew or amend it unless it's like um, significant changes. So like if you're just gonna like extend like a tailing pond a little bit or something i think that you can just do that under your existing license that was something they wanted to do but that's since been repealed so mm-hmm. if you're gonna do it you gotta re- you gotta amend your right, if you're gonna need to amend a permit you're gonna have to go through review again or so that's how i read it so we'll, we'll look into this a little bit more just because it's interesting to me i i found like we said the like it, it didn't show up like it just the only reason i noticed it was because it came across uh, a company sent it to me actually and they're like what is this <laughs> <laughs> it's really super bad. So anyway, so so interestingly, well, that's something we'll be keeping our eye on. Um, it is. Uh, it, it might not be anything, like we said. I mean, it's basically going back to where we were. We we can all make it into something if everyone yeah. starts panicking. Yeah, it's kind of oh, yeah. like the stock oh, yeah. market. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Don't <laughs> panic. So everyone, just keep yeah. calm. <laughs> Whatever oh. you do. But there are no uh, there are no time uh, time limits on environmental reviews in the Yukon. Yeah. So. So, so buckle your seatbelts. Um, okay, so so what should we? Uh, do you want to do story time now, or do you want? I would to love. Do- to, I love doing story time okay. anytime. Let's. I don't actually know. I, I have full disclosure. I do not know what the story is going to entail. How many times I'll have to use the beep, but like the, <laughs> none. The, the well, I was thinking there. about it. I thought, man, I've ha- I have like personally so many crazy, yeah. hilarious. Um, stories from working in the field, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but I thought, you know, I can't. I just kept thinking about John Thompson's story that he told me last year. Yeah. And I thought, this is the one I'm going to steal now. John, was this is an odds and sods. This nope, no, no. This was an odds and sods. 
Um, at least I don't think it was, unless I totally blacked out. But yeah. anyway, if it is, then whatever. You're going to hear it again. Yeah. So really, really great story. John Thompson, if you don't know him, he's in BC um, here. He was the origin- one of the first directors at MDRU, which is the Mineral Deposits yep. Research Unit. We know them. Um, yep. Yeah, and he became director in 1991. And so now he's like a director on a bunch of different public companies. He's, he's a wonderful person. Um, if you happen to know him, he's lovely to gab with. Anyway, and so he was telling me this hilarious story about when back in 1991 MDRU was facilitating a bunch of research projects around SK Creek in northwest BC yep Yep. Okay. Which we're well familiar with because everyone's familiar with SK Creek. Yeah. Dickens out of that right now. Yeah. And so it's okay. This story might also require me to speak in an Australian accent. And full disclosure, even though I lived in Australia for years, I don't have the best one. So I might. Pinch my nose a little bit or something. Pinch your nose? Well, that's that's the only way you can... Oh, we're going to have so many angry Australians (laughs) I know. I'm I'm so sorry. No! (laughs) Okay, maybe that doesn't work so well. No, we didn't. So I'll try try my best anyway. (laughs) So John was telling me... Now, this is a true story, by the way. So John was telling me how um, around 1991, they decided to hire a geologist from Western Australia to come up there to do some work up near SK Creek. And so they brought him in, and he's fresh out of the desert, you know, WA. And uh, John decided it was a good idea to put this guy through survival training, specific well, for like military Canada. training? Well, for, like, you know, how to live in the bush in case something oh, goes I, wrong. It's something everybody should know. Yeah, this this poor Aussie didn't have a clue. He's never stepped foot out of Australia before. But the Australians had to be very, like... Uh, sort of schooled in the arts of surviving deadly situations due to the fact Australia is like one deadly situation. That's true. One deadly situation after another. But I guess... I heard a terrifying story about some guy picked up a log and like these... We talked about this. These ants like have some neurotoxin and they bit him (laughs) and he fell over. And he was... I'm like, what? I'm like, don't touch anything. Don't touch anything. Well, you know what's hilarious? Because with with the Australians, of course, um, their biggest fear happens to be bears. Right. Meanwhile, yeah, meanwhile, they don't have bears. They don't have bears. No, no, no. And for them, it's this really crazy, weird, exotic creature that is just going to like tear you apart. Just kind of like how Canadians in Australia kind of like are terrified of drop bears. Like, you know, you remember the drop bears? They, what are the they drop fall. Bears? They, what, these ca- are the koalas, koalas? That, that fall I, out of trees. I would not be scared of And they bears. grab onto your jugular. Yeah. <laughs> this is vampire what? koala bears. Drop bears, my friend. Like the just only- <laughs> like pop out of the tree and like attack you. They fall. They just fall in that. Why? Time. Maybe they just. Maybe it was an accident. Maybe he just <laughs> lost his grip on the tree and fell by accident. Well, the, anyway, that's what the Australians always tell any visitor. It's it's um about the drop bears, but they're they're terrified about bears. And living in Australia, they they all have the same thing. They're like, I can't walk in Canada because I'm terrified. And so um, naturally, all Canadians love sharing their bear stories so you talk to any geologist they're like let me tell you my bear story oh everybody and this one. is what you yeah. have to do so yeah. this this aussie is getting all these recommendations of how to deal with a bear in the woods when you see him Hint, and he's got all this training and yeah, yeah right like don't, see don't here's a canadian you here's a canadian yeah. you being like you know this is this yeah. is what works what doesn't Those so are fun, he's though. hearing about like all this fireworks so yeah, yeah. he gets up to he gets out into the field and john was saying sure enough the very first day he gets dropped off in the helicopter what happens he sees a bear Oh, no. Not even joking. Oh, no. He sees a bear. The helicopter is gone. So he does what everyone apparently had instructed him to do, which is to climb a tree. Climb a tree. Yeah. So he climbs a tree and he calls, he radios into the helicopter pilot. And uh, he's like, there's a bear. There's a bear. Come back. Come back. And so the helicopter pilot's like, well, where are you? 
And the Aussie goes, I'm up a tree. <laughs> That's my best one. Yeah, there you go. I'm, I'm up that a tree. <laughs> and, and then and then the helicopter pilot says, okay, where's, where's the bear? Right? And then the Aussie goes, oh, he's up the tree next to me. <laughs> Is that, a, is that a real story or is that a joke? I don't it's know. a real story. I don't, I feel like that was a punchline. I'm not even joking. That is such a punchline, but it's true. So here's this Australian bloke. He's up a tree. There's a bear in the tree up alongside him. I share this story on Facebook because I thought it was so funny. And wouldn't you know it, but a mate of mine, John Standing, who's yeah. a geologist with Model Earth, yeah. who lives in Australia, yeah. he knew the guy. No way. He's like, that's my friend. <laughs> I said, you're kidding nice. me. So true, true story. That's that's the uh, that's the field story for for today. Anyway. That, that is that is. I hope I did a good enough Australian. That was accent. good. It was good. I wanted to play. I can't do really a good Australian. You should accent. just try. Why don't we talk like but, this? For I mean, the rest it, of time. If, anytime I think oh, I think of that crocodile Dundee scene where he's like, you think that's a knife or whatever it is. <laughs> this is a knife. That's yeah. an awesome scene. I, I, I if, if it wasn't if it wasn't totally totally against copyright i would play that on yeah. the podcast because that's odd maybe it's public no it's not it's, it, that would be bad we get sued but anyway everybody knows the scene i'm talking about where he's got the guys trying to mug him and he's, ah, it's <laughs> anyway that's a great movie awesome, awesome movie i just uh, the, the, the other sweet uh crocodile dundee scene i always remember is when the guy's like throwing uh fishing with dynamite oh <laughs> yeah throwing dynamite oh those, those are classic class. anyways I don't, I don't know uh, <laughs> i don't know how bringing that like i was wondering like i wonder if there's like Places in the world where there's like a guy like Crocodile Dundee who's Canadian, like if you like, if you're like Davy Crockett. Do you think? Well, that was a long time. Yeah, wasn't he American though? Oh yeah, maybe. Yeah, but they were just blends together. Anyway, uh, funny okay. yeah, side story. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, yeah. So that's story time with Leslie and really bad Australian accents from both of us. So that's good. And also Crocodile Dundee references. So there we go. That's a good one. Uh, okay, so the one thing I do want to cover here. Um, and this is sort of, uh, it was pretty big news earlier in the week it was, uh, lending gold, um, released the first feasibility study in a while on, uh, Fruta oh, del Norte, yeah, FDN in Ecuador. And this has been a relatively large story since they picked it up from Kinross for just north of 200 million, I think, uh, because Ecuador has been making a lot of, um, overtures about opening up the, uh, country to mining. Um, it's not traditionally a particularly, you know, not known for, for mining, though the, I gather geology is quite prospective. It's just always been more of an oil or alternative, uh, alternative economy. So um, they put out, this is the first one we've seen in a while. So it's interesting to see um, just how this has translated since it's got, fall, gotten into lending gold's hands, what they've done with it, the engineering, that kind of stuff. Because this is a full-on feasibility study. So this isn't like, we're not talking about inferred ounces or anything here. This is like... We can build this apparently according to these specifications. So this is what we're So this thing's based on as uh, F the FDN hasn't really changed that much in size or anything. Like it's still, as we all know, just shy of uh, five million ounces of gold at an average grade of about uh, nine, just under ten grams, uh, ten grams per ton. So it's it's a nice high grade thing. Um, and it's going to crank out serious ounces for them, assuming that this goes forward. It would be about three hundred forty thousand ounces a year. Uh, over a 13-year life, so it's a big thing. Now, the uh, you know, not surprisingly, 
it doesn't have a low price tag on it, right? Like yeah. it's, 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 uh, I can't remember the, it's 600 and I think 69 or 89 million to build this. Okay. And there's already, and the interesting thing I found, so I'm listening to the conference call and I'm like, oh, uh, big mind, but you know, it's, um, high grade, uh, probably returns, you know, payback period is probably re- reasonable. Um, it, it just so everybody knows the <laughs> base case, uh, MPV at 5%. I don't, I don't like 5% discount rates. I'm going to go out there and say that right away. I don't think that. What do you like? I like at least eight. Eight. At least eight. Yeah, preferably I ten. I don't get out of preferably bed. Preferably 10. Preferably 10. <laughs> um, but, Listen, uh, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> Listen yeah. Stop using 5% discount rates. <laughs> um, but anyway, so uh, at the 5%, its uh, base case is uh, $12.50 an ounce, so right where we are now. Um, it's a $676 million MPV. And a 5.7% IRR payback of four and a half years. So the IRR isn't. How fantastic. much was? Did you say five point what? For which? For the IRR. Uh, fifteen point seven. Oh, fifteen point seven. My apologies. Yeah, yeah not Sorry. five. Oh god. I was like, I thought you said five. I was like, <laughs> yeah. what? Yeah. So it's like push the brakes on that so one. So it's I mean, it's but the the interesting thing is, um, it almost doesn't sound like like I'm just wondering why. Okay, so they. They're going to spend six, you know, around seven hundred million to build the mine, and the construction period starts next July, so that's when that capex figure kicks in. But in order to get to that uh, that point next July, they they figure they might have to spend as much as two hundred million dollars just to get there, right? In like pre-production, whatever you want to call it, site prep or pre-investment to get to construction right and so i'm like well eh, capex sounds a bit closer to a billion dollars to me but anyway um so there's i'm I'm just wondering like it's it's uh you know uh limited tonnage it's not so a lot of that money has to go to underground development which i'm and 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 the thing they talked about a lot on the conference call is water because essentially what it sounded like was this thing sitting under a, a river yeah. <laughs> and they're going to actually build like a ramp straight, like about as steep as you can engineer a ramp or a, or a drift just directly underneath this river. Right? So it'll be interesting to see. I Like I've always wondered about it. Like they say twin declines will be constructed um, to gain um, like a maximum distance from service so that a vertical, they can get vertical clearance of about 155 meters below uh, this big river. So it's, it sounds like it's a bit of an engineering adventure going on. Can you imagine there. a, a mine um, like that in BC? No. The environmental review on that. No. Good it, luck. Well, I was on the, yeah, because I was on the conference call and, and Ron Hoschein, who's the, uh, Hoschein, who's the present CEO there, he was talking a lot about water. Yeah. And I think a lot of, uh, a lot of their, um, their discussions with the Ecuadorian government have involved water and kind of explain, because also like one of the things you've got to remember is they're that. not overly familiar with mining right so they kind of have to you know kind of instill like a confidence that everything's cool and you know because it's not like you're walking into like the bc government you're like we want to build this mine and like oh we've got like 15 engineers on staff and 20 geologists go talk to them (laughs) like it's like you have to kind of instill that instill that kind of technical know-how where you're going right so it's interesting so so yeah it's it's um an interesting mine like i i I like I had I think Trish maybe went she didn't go down they went, I don't know if they wouldn't let her on site or what she met with them down there when she was in Ecuador I think but she didn't actually go to FDN so it's interesting um, and there, it's it's obviously like a big big circuit like seventy percent of the gold will be in concentrate and uh, the remainder will be in Dore so it's an interesting mine like sounds pretty complicated to me which which just you know explains the 
rather large capex. So we'll see. Well, uh, Lundin, Lundin's private family holdings, Zebra Holdings, subsequently lent the company $18 million to cover like uh, interim costs because they only had about $7 million in capital when they published this thing. So they're going to have to do a bigger raise because I think they have to spend, like I said, between like around $150 million just to get to their construction decision next July. Yeah. So like, oh, we're going uh, to finance it in two tranches like or two sections so we're gonna do a uh, how like a bit of it and then we'll do the big race next july right so we're just gonna see they they the way they talk they're like we're gonna build this thing it's gonna be sweet we're gonna be we're gonna build it with a 15 calm down everyone yeah we're gonna build it with a 15 percent irr and right. we're using a five percent discount rate but that sounds sounds good so we'll see i did it, it just it's a weird it was weird anyway so so hey hope we'll give it good luck <laughs> <laughs> yeah i don't know like i was just it was a bit <laughs> It was a bit, it was a bit wacky. Um, so yeah, so that came out. Everybody, take a look. I have a write up on it. It was not like much of a. It was more of just a reporting piece. I just got everything out there, so everybody had the and a good idea on, on um, sort of the 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 economics and what they intend to do. One of the other things that I found interesting though is they are getting taxed like pretty good. <laughs> so the the pre tax MPV at the five percent. Discount rate is <laughs> nearly 1.3 billion, and the after tax is half, wow. 676 million. So that gets that, that gives you a little bit of a little bit of insight on the uh, tax uh, structure down wow. there. And then the IRR drops uh, after tax from 24 percent to just under 16. So. That just gives you a little insight on on some of the uh, impacts of uh, mm -hmm. of that stuff. Yeah, exactly. Cool. Very exactly. interesting, Matt. So that happened. So interesting stuff to look at. Um, some of the other stuff I talked about. I, I'll get into this. We're, we're running a little short on time, so I got to get into our tweets pretty soon here. Um, but some of the other uh, discussions I had this week, I actually talked to um, management from Kinkora Copper. This is an interesting one, actually. Um, what has happened there is they, obviously this is, uh, you'll recall maybe a month ago or something, I was talking about Erdine, which is another company that's in Mongolia. They made the uh, Buy and Kundi Gold Discovery recently, and they've done, they were doing quite well when I talked to them. Um, and now this is another one where Mongolia is kind of sounding like it might be back in action. I don't, I don't know. People are starting to Put it to out raise, there, Matt. Just put it out there. Some, people are, appear to start to be raising money. For projects in Mongolia, because right. well, up until I don't recall exactly when, maybe a few months ago, you couldn't even get an exploration. <laughs> like your license, they weren't issuing exploration licenses, but they took the moratorium off. Um, so I talked to Sam Spring, who is the president and CEO of Kikora, and they have like what they ended up doing was merging with a subsidiary of Robert Friedland's HPX, which is the High Power Exploration, yeah. I think, is the acronym. And they ended up with uh, some obscene amount of land. Like, uh, like it's it's a huge amount of land on uh, the same belt that holds Oyotogoi in the Gobi Desert, right? And so they're doing a huge rollback, like 10, well, not huge, 10 to 1. So they'll end up with, uh, you know, like uh, the ability to do a, a $4 million financing they're trying to do. They're bringing in, HPX is going to own 9% of their stock. And they get access to this typhoon technology, which is like yeah, they're deep. Yeah, rooted. it's like uh, what they use to dis discover OT. I gather, right? This is what yeah. they're telling me. So uh, interesting stuff. I, I have a. I, I'm gonna have to dig into it quite a bit because it, it's like fairly complex because they have a huge amount of land and there's like 
a multiple different styles of mineralization. Obviously, they're looking for porphyries and all that kind of stuff because yeah. that's a big porphyry belt, but also epithermal gold, whatever, right? So interesting. So, so uh, but the involvement of, of, of Robert Freeland, even as a shareholder, is kind of interesting because he was heavily involved in Mongolia before Rio took out took them out. Freeland's always so heavily involved. You know, when I worked at Ivanhoe, yeah. we used to um, send out daily the daily drill report. And I would come back to the office the next day and I'd have it, an email from Robert <laughs> in my in my and it was it's dated like three three AM. Oh yeah. Yeah. And it says, Should we be following up on this? Yeah. <laughs> and I'm just I turned to my coworker, I'm like, Freeland just wrote me, what do I do? Yeah. You know? And yeah. I laughed at it and I thought, Man, the man doesn't sleep. He's like laying there in like three AM with one eye open looking at his phone and his report, the daily report out of a exploration yeah, project in, 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 wherever, in like Australia, probably. Right? Yeah, in, yeah. In the Cloncurry district, yeah, Australia. Australia. And I thought, man, yeah. this guy, he's, he's on it. He's yeah, got, he's, yeah. he's got an eye on everything. Well, if you want some good Robert Freeland stories, I hear oh, yeah, that's another story time Steve with Leslie. Jobs, <laughs> Steve Jobs, uh, the, the, Oh yeah. They were on an apple farm together. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, him and, him and Robert. There's some funny stories in there. Yeah. I recommend good read. Apple good read. Computers. Yeah. Highly recommended read that one. I got to um, read that book. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. Sorry. Yeah, sidetracked. I mean, it's a good read. Uh, so yeah, so that'll be coming out. I also had, uh, I'm covering currently, um, the Northern shield resources. I talked to Ian bliss, who's the president and CEO there. They're the company that owns a, uh, bunch, uh, well two, I guess, technically, uh, exploration plays in Labrador trough. So they're looking for, um, sort of bulk tonnage. Platinum big group, polymetallic, well, um, nickel, copper, nickel, copper, PGM stuff. stuff. Cool. Um, and so they just released a announcement. They signed a option agreement with South 32 um, for their Huckleberry property. So mm. it's five million for seventy percent. I want to say. And I talked to Ian, and what they, one of the big things he did was he wanted to hold back. They have another property called the Sequoia property. He wants and. Apparently, so 32 wanted it, but he's like, no, you can only have this. So, interesting. That one's interesting. Uh, I, that's a big um, geological piece we'll be doing because. Cool. Geology uh, piece, Matt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very, well, it's very perspective, right? It's Greenfield. Yeah. They haven't drilled it very yes. much. So, that, that kind of Love explains it. the nature of the option. But he, he, okay. uh, Ian's a smart guy, had some really cool stuff to say about the regional geology and just what his thesis was on why this was important. So, it's cool. It's another, uh, if everybody remembers, Aston Bay um, attracted. Uh, BHP it was for their storm project. So we're seeing some of uh, the international, multinational majors coming in and looking at some of the Greenfield base metal stuff yeah. in Eastern Canada. So that's really interesting. So we'll be looking at that. Um, Trish has actually done some really good coverage on the Aston Bay stuff. If you want to check it out, it is on our website. And lest I forget, subscribe. <gasps> Oh yeah, guys! It's a hundred. Was it one hundred and twenty dollars or so a year? I actually had to look this up. Yes. <laughs> so I, somebody phoned me the other day and they're like, "How much is it?" I'm like, "Allow me to Google." Mm -hmm. um, so you can get um, just the paper or just the internet for one fourteen. Yeah. So, so you, either or, yeah. if you want both, it's our executive package. It's two hundred twenty nine dollars. Um, maybe we'll have a podcast code that gets you. A little bit of a discount on that. Um, oh, well, you just came up with this idea, didn't oh, you? I just I saw like maybe. So if you're a podcast listener, maybe I, hey, say Matt told them, talk to Anthony. Yeah. So we'll see. I don't know for <laughs> sure. Don't hold me to that, but we'll see. So, but as it stands right now, the uh, executive, which includes our paper, our internet, 
and uh, our Canadian Mines Handbook, which is a great resource to have. It's oh, kind it's of super a, useful. Yeah, I look through it too. Encyclopedia of Mines, essentially. Yeah. Uh, all of that for two twenty nine uh, per year. We also do corporate uh, packages, so if you want to get you know five logins for the website or something for your office, you can do that. Um, so that's cool. Yeah, so please do surf over, check it out, um, and. Uh, we'll see about that discount podcast code. I'll yeah. have to rough fly that by management. I'm probably my phone's ringing right now. Matt, Matt, shut up. Shut I have up. so many friends who are just like, oh, I can't get access to your articles. And I said, boys, it's a hundred bucks. Yeah. And seriously, the amount of work and effort and time that we put into researching our articles and the amount of time that actually saves you, it's it's so worth a hundred dollars. Well, the thing that really stands out is crazy. Is is uh, you know, we, we actually talk to all the management teams, which we, is, like, yeah. the important thing. Like, you just got to call them. Because, like, I'll use uh, Northern Shields as an example. Um, when I was, you know, but prior to just looking at the Northern Shield deal with South 32, you may be like, oh, well, they're giving South 32 70% of the project for $5 million in exploration. That, and on a project of that scale, that's not going to cover very much drilling, right? Because yeah. those big bulk tonnage base metal systems in the Labrador Trough take a bunch of drilling right but the the thing that i was explaining if you talk to management was that yeah but they also have a clause in there that they have to be carried through to pea so in order to get a pea there there's a lot more investment than okay. than you you would think right because to get some of that to pea there's more than probably five million dollars you have to put in so it's it, you know like when you talk to people and hear their stories directly it's a, it, things can change a little bit so it's cool to Definitely hear the context changes. yeah to hear to hear right from the source what's and going only on. from the northern miner exactly yeah. so please do check us out at yeah. www.northernminer.com um so yeah it is time for hashtag twitter can you I don't even is it like a number like a Twitter hashtag I wonder what is tweeted it must just be tw Twitter itself must just dominate that just be like <laughs> yeah it's just news about really boring news about Twitter it's like our stock kind of sucks um <laughs> it's, just, it's not it's not a technology podcast we won't talk about the uh structural deficiencies in Twitter's business model <laughs> that well you could do that on uh yeah check out uh oh shoot what's Barry's podcast on computers Oh, shoot. Oh, oh The Practical nice. Geek. Check out The Practical Geek yeah, um, over at, uh, if you're interested in that kind of stuff, because it is, uh, I do follow it myself. So um, head over to the Press Play Network and check out The Practical Geek if you're down with uh, with some chatter on Twitter, Songify, or Spotify, stuff like that. Anyway, here's my tweets. Um, we are going to, I have a couple coal ones, because um, as we were discussing, we are in the midst of doing some coverage on the Coal Association of Canada's 2016 right. conference here in Vancouver, That's happening. Uh, down at the Western Bayshore. Um, so we have a few, uh, few, few tweets on coal here, just uh, in the spirit of the season. Um, so uh, Crown Battery just tweeted uh, towards us that uh, Australia, Australian coal exports to Thailand are four times higher. So. I, this is one of the things you went to the talks this morning at the coal conference, right? I I caught two talks. Uh, the interesting one of the interesting things they said was that the Australians are doing much better uh, on a you know margin basis cost wise than because they've done a lot of oh, really I didn't good hear work that. with uh, that was your talk yeah, yeah with with some cost stuff so interesting. it's interesting okay. with the cost curves on on various met and thermal coal operations but we'll, we'll have some uh, some stuff to say on that next week mm. um, but this tweet is just that new figures show that demand for high quality Australian coal continues to grow throughout Southeast Asia with exports to Thailand four times higher in April compared to April 2015 so as we uh, you know some people have sort of sounded the or the, the uh, twilight period of coal, but there's still large ports of the world that still use um, a lot of coal. So it'll be interesting to see. I mean, I mean Australia is in a really strategic 
area to export, right? So it's interesting. So there's a tweet on Cole. Here's another tweet on Cole. <laughs> uh, Wood McKenzie, who uh, oh, yes. uh, was giving a talk uh, down at the conference. Um, what are the major challenges facing China's coal industry? Um, apparently, <laughs> long story short, it's bloated and they're producing a lot of uneconomic coal and permitting too many projects. So they need to kind of uh, kind of tone it down a little bit. Calm so, down. Yeah, yeah, yeah rationalize their coal production. So they have a, that's one of the things they're sort of talking about is what China's going to do with its, uh, its coal industry. But I hear there's a lot about, um, from analysts who cover Chinese mining is that they just run mines and then like, it doesn't really matter how profitable they are. <laughs> <laughs> just keep running them. And they're like, oh, it doesn't matter. Anyway, so... It's, it's like North Korea. Apparently, they also Western. have that problem in the coal industry. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, <laughs> we produce gold at $3,000 an hour. Yeah, but it's we do have gold. <laughs> but it we have matter. gold. It doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't matter when <laughs> you don't pay your employees. <laughs> um, okay, so Minerals Make Life, which is a, that's a nice Twitter account. Um, I just wanted to mention this. This is something I always talk about whenever anyone gets me to give a presentation or something. Oh, yeah, um, uh, it's just a series of successful reclamation stories about how modern mining restores land after use. And I always hear uh, people always are, tend to give us a hard time about some of the legacy issues some of the mines have caused globally. And, and there was always like, oh, this terrible mine. I'm like, that mine closed in like 1980. It's like back then, like... Like the technological advances in closure and stuff are, are quite impressive. If you actually like go and research them and take a look at what they're mm. doing, um, so I always make that point. That I mean, like a lot of the legacy issues that people have with mining, um, we are a the legislation's a lot different, so nobody's kind of operating to that. <laughs> like no one's running around the world building like totally bad mercury mines anymore or anything, right? So it's like it's like things have changed, uh, legislation's changed, technology's changed. So I always it's always said like and. Some mining companies have gone in and fixed legacy issues, like actually gone in and done really the good. The world is becoming a much yeah, better place. Yeah, yeah, you know, uh, and the technology is completely different. So I, that's a good paper thing to read yeah. if anyone wants to check that cool. out. Cool. Um, and then, uh, yeah, so the, the last one, <laughs> I want to touch on this. I've actually, because this has been on top of mind for me recently, and I've been meaning to maybe look at doing a kind of a roundup or a... Uh, something to do with potash because uh, it's just interesting like um you know it's it's down in the doldrums like it's like sort of poor legs is poor the prairies saskatchewan uranium and potash are both kind of getting oh saskatchewan the boots put to them right now <laughs> like uh, uranium is pretty low so um this just uh future potash is solid despite low prices and this is from bi group mining um and basically what they're saying is uh, fertilizer ingredients since 2008, as with many things, have just plummeted. Um, so they're around 200 to $300 range for a lot of the product now. Um, so, But the, what the point they're trying to make is that some big companies are still making investments in Potash. Like even though Potash Corp and BHP and stuff have sort of tuned it back a little bit. Um, BHP is still spending about $200 million on the big uh, Janssen Lake project. Um, they've spent $4 billion to date. So there's still, you know, companies that are similar with what we're seeing in copper where the, there's a lot of bidding wars going on for copper assets. If anyone like Freeport or anybody's making any of these assets uh, available, there'll be people who will snap them up. Because much like copper, I think um, people view potash as having 
maybe a brighter future than because I mean it's fertilizer and the populations continually grow. I mean the investment thesis is pretty straightforward <laughs> for both. I think um, it's just a question of when that is actually going to turn around. So, um, but yeah, so that's kind of the end of our tweets for the week and I guess the show because we are out of time unfortunately. Um, so thank you again for joining us for Leslie's story time. Story time with story Leslie. Story time with Leslie. Oh gosh, you know I'm totally going to do this more. And I love it. We should get more stories if somebody yeah, stories. wants to write an essay. I will narrate it. Yeah. Some, no. Somebody. <laughs> anyone who's listening, if you if you got a funny story, yeah. call me. Yeah. Or send it in by Give email. Give me a call. Yeah. Send it by email. Yeah. Or tweet um, us. Geotech. Send send me your oh, story. Yeah. I know this show. Geotech's be, uh, always uh, always on on Geotech the services. on the line. God love you. Yeah. Yes. All right. So uh, thanks That's again, it. everybody, for joining us. Thank um, you. And have a wonderful week. Uh, this has been Northern Minor Podcast. I'm Matthew Keevil. I'm Leslie Stokes. Goodbye for now. Bye.